directly into the word of the Lord and continue our series, Things Above. Uh, last week we were to continue uh, our series, uh, but uh, as you know, our, the untimely passing of our dear friend and campaign consultant, Brother Mark Menzendek, uh, put us in a position where uh, we needed to uh, help th that family and, and, and go and provide comfort and, and uh, honor and pay respects to our, our good friend. And uh, we are uh, thankful for the work that Brother Mark Menzendek did uh, for the Tree of Life Church. And it's humbling to consider that, that the final work, if you please, that, that he accomplished here on earth was that of helping the Tree of Life Church. Uh, and uh, that, that God preserved him. And, uh, and he was able to, to uh, inspire us, instruct us, uh, get us moving in the right direction, and basically send us off sailing into the direction we needed to go. And, and then, of course, so sadly, the Lord took him took him on, but, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we are thankful for the work that he has done, not just for us, but for so many uh, churches. So many pastors stood in his homegoing service and said, what a blessing he was to them. He revolu revolutionized many United Pentecostal churches, and uh, we will forever be grateful for what the Lord has done through his ministry uh, with us. Praise the Lord. And this uh, weekend is going to be an amazing weekend. Uh, this coming Sunday, we will hear uh, what the leaders of Tree of Life Church have committed over the next 36 months. So this Sunday will be a Sunday called Revelation uh, and Obedience. And this is the Sunday where you're going to hear what the leaders have done in terms of what they'll be committing over the course of 36 months. And then the following Sunday, the whole congregation will be making those 36-month commitments. And uh, together, we're going to do something beautiful for the glory of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I thank you, I thank you in advance for your commitment. And I thank you in advance for your desire to see God do something great. Uh, we, we understand that everything that we do... Uh, involves financing and funding of those things, uh, but it's it's not about the money. It's about the souls. It's about people. It's about reaching people and and uh, and ministering to them. And so we are grateful for what the Lord is going to do. Amen. We're continuing our series tonight on things above. The concept uh, behind this teaching is uh, we must we must set our affection on things above. Our our scripture comes from the, the book of Colossians. This is Paul's letter to the Colossians, to the Colossian church. The third chapter, the third chapter, and our concentration is on the second verse. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. I, I think that's interesting uh, because of several reasons, but I want to point out some of them to you in this teaching. Things, the word things jumps out at me. Things. And, uh, and we can all get kind of caught up in things. 
and, and, and he told us, he warned us not to set our affection on things on the earth. And we know that things come and go. They enter into our life and then they're gone. You know, if you, if you ever had a car that just really, really uh, meant a lot to you and, and maybe it was new or maybe it was new to you, uh, but it was something that you enjoyed having, uh, you didn't enjoy it too terribly long. There was, it it, it kind of lost its luster because things on the earth do that. They lose their luster. They lose that that glimmer, that shimmer, that shine, that sheen that so attracted you to it to begin with. And, and that's just how it works. Things begin to to grow on you and then they begin to wear out their welcome. And that car that, that was so appealing to you when you first got a hold of it, uh, it's not too terribly long, maybe a, a few years, a little less perhaps, where you then find yourself wanting something better, something bigger, something, uh, something that, that has a sheen to it because this lost its sheen. And that's the way things are things lose their appeal over time and he said to not set your affection on things on the earth but it's interesting to me that he before he told us what not to set our affection on he told us what to set our affection on and he said to set your affection on things above so so this is interesting because because above there are things there are things above and, and not, there's not just things on the earth, there are things above. You know, we kind of separate the two in such a way that we can't fully fathom what heaven is like. And so we, we think of the earth as being life, and then we, what do we call it? The afterlife. We need to re rephrase that. This is, this is life on earth, and that is life. This is life on earth, and that is, that is life. And so, so there are things above. There, there is real life in heaven. There is real life that goes on in the presence of the Lord where, where there, is, there are real feelings, and there is a real body, and there is a real energy of life there, there there are things above and and so you know we 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 think of heaven as being you know clouds and we, we you know we we imagine cupid flying around with a, a, a harp and 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 we're like sometimes that just doesn't sound appealing at all to anybody we're like oh you you want to make sure you go to heaven and people are like that doesn't even sound right well that's not how the bible describes it the Bible has such a beautiful description of what heaven is going to be like. And it involves a real body. It involves a real life. It involves eternal life. It's, it's all, of the, all of the things that, that are spiritual that you have grown to love times infinity. You know, you know if, you're, if you've ever been in the presence of family and and you've in, and you've just enjoyed yourself and and you wish it wouldn't stop and and you love the joy that you're having and the peace that you're having and the and the the feeling of comfort that you feel and the security and the safety of that moment but you know it's going to end because the the night is drawing near and so people are going to go on to bed and 
And, or, and if you're not, if you're having to leave the place and go to your own residence, it, all good things come to an end in this life. But when you're talking about things above, good things continue and continue and continue and continue and continue. In fact, the night never comes in that land. The old song calls it the land of the unclouded day. It is, a, it is a place where we'll never grow old. It is a place where there will be no dying and there will be no sickness and sorrow and sighing shall pass away. There's no sorrow there. There's no sighing there. There's no dying. There are no tears. It is, it's not emotionless, but it is void of all the negative emotion. It is void of all of, the, all of the, the destructive feelings that we have on this earth. You don't have that in that city. And so it is a beautiful place and there are things there. Like there are things here. There are things there. And so I, I can't fully explain it because I've never, I've never been I've never been there. I've never walked those streets. I can take a scriptural journey and can give as good an explanation as I can provide from looking at the scriptures, but I cannot give an accurate, adequate explanation of what that city is going to be like, but I will tell you what the Bible tells us, and it is this, that it is a land of eternal joy, that it is a land of everlasting life. Do you know that that humanity has been looking for the fountain of youth for as long as, as they can recall, literally, literally looking for a fountain where they can stop the aging process, stop the dying process. And, and, and there are all kinds of herbal supplements and so-called shakes you can get and smoothies. And, and uh, I saw Jack LaLanne advertising some kind of a, smoothie juicer machine and and I was like oh well this is a scam but then I got to thinking he's 98 years old looks better than me so I thought maybe I better get me one of them one of them Jack LaLanne juicers everybody's always looking for the latest whatever to keep themselves young but I I'm gonna tell you where the where the fountain of youth is the fountain of life is it's in the word of God and the things of this world they shall pass away hallelujah but his word shall not pass away and we talked last time about that that interesting terminology passing away so the scripture of first John that that jumps out at us and love not the world neither the things that are in the world for if any man Love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's that word things again. Love not the world, neither the things, the things. We get so caught up in the things. We get so caught up in what goes wrong. Don't get caught up in what goes wrong. That's a thing. Don't get caught up in, in what you don't have, but somebody else does have. That's a thing of this world. Love not this world, neither the things in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he explains why. For the world passeth away. And that term is interesting because we use it to describe things that are dying. If some, even if a person dies, we, we, will, we will kind of soften that, 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 just the heaviness of that language where, you know, sometimes... 
We, we don't say they died. Sometimes we say they passed away. And, and that's what John was teaching us in 1 John chapter 3. He was saying the world passes away. He's trying to explain to us the world dies. And, and, and this becomes so very real to you as you grow uh, older, as you age. When I was, uh, anytime I go through St. Louis, uh, right on I-270. In fact, I was there last week and I was on I-270 and I looked uh, to my right, to the north of the interstate and there sat what used to be the headquarters of the United Pentecostal Church. And next to it was the house that my grandparents lived in all my life. And that was Grandma and Grandpa's house. And um, I have so many fond memories of that place. So many fond memories. I mean, that place means Christmas. That place means Thanksgiving. That little house, it means it means really good food and it, and it means family and it means friends and it and it means just happiness and contentment it means all of those things to me but when I would drive up to it now it's a different story that the, the brick and the mortar and the and the, the 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 panes of glass that I used to look through with excitement and see the Christmas tree and see the just the people gathering and, and, and I associated the brick and the mortar with the feeling, but the brick and the mortar had nothing to do with it. It was the people. It was the life of the people involved. Those people live forever. That house will dilapidate and pass away. Now, they don't live forever on earth because this earth passes away. Everything that comes into this earth has got to, to pass on. It's got to pass on. It's under a curse. It's under the curse of death. It is in the process of dying. So don't set your affection on things on this earth. Don't set your affection on things on this earth. And don't love the things that are in the world. But set your affection on things above. And, and when, so when we say the things that are above, what are we talking about? Of course, you know I'm talking about heaven. But let me be even more plain. I'm talking about things above are things that are above death's ability to control. Things above are the things that don't die. Things above are things above the fray of death, above the, the turmoil and the sadness of dying. And, and so those are the things which are above. And so we, we have access to things that are above. And one of the most beautiful examples of this, of course, is when Jesus died the most brutal death that the scriptures describe. And, and, of course, his disciples who had, who had hoped for a kingdom that he would establish on this earth. And, and then once he died and was buried and they thought, well, then it's all come to an end. And then all of a sudden he raises from the dead because he had lived a life that was more powerful than death. And he rises from the dead and, and they go to his tomb and there's an angel of the Lord that, that confirms it. And the scriptures give the details of various ones who received confirmation at the tomb of Jesus from angels. And in Mary's case, even the Lord himself at the tomb. She thought he was a gardener. 
and, and didn't know that he wasn't the gardener until he called her name, Mary. And I'm going to tell you, when God calls your name, oh, hallelujah, he knows you, and you know him. And when he calls your name, you know who he is. And she said, Rabboni, master teacher. She knew immediately who this was. And, and, and they went and told everybody, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And, and not only did they receive confirmation at the tomb, but they began to see, the Bible says, by many infallible proofs that he is alive. I mean, it's, it, was, it was pretty intense. When he broke the bread, they began to realize, oh my word, I've seen bread break like that before. That's Jesus. He's alive. He, they're in a room gathered together, and he walks in the room, doesn't use the door, walks through the wall. And they were astounded. He was in a resurrected body. My Lord, see, when you look at the resurrected body of Jesus Christ, you get a, a, a better understanding of the kind of body Adam had before death entered the picture. Jesus ha had no limitations. That's why he was able to ascend on high. Oh, I wish I could preach a little while on all of that but 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 I want you to know there was no limitation on that death free body there was no limitation on that sin free body there was no limitation on that resurrected body hallelujah he was alive as the angel said he is not here he has risen from the dead why seek you the living among the dead he is alive forevermore this is where we set our affection on things above so let's talk about some things really quick that are above that we can set our affection on okay first of all let's go to the beginning let's just go to the beginning of it all and uh, and and i'm going to take you to the beginning of it all not Genesis 1. We could go there because it says the same thing, but we're going to go to John 1. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You know what I love about the Bible referring to the word is that it refers to the word as, as a person because the word was God. I love that because we separate ourselves from our word, and God doesn't. His word is him. He is his word. If you're, if you're, if you're hearing his word, if you're reading his word, you're, you're looking into him. He's not, he's not different than his word. He doesn't say one thing and then do another. His word is his nature. His word is his essence. His word is his being. He is his word. Hallelujah. This is why we used to be able to do things on a, on a handshake. And now you've got to sign about 152 documents. Got to take a fingerprint on each finger. Got to, you know, get a, a face... Uh, Picture, face scan, thank you. A face scan, something. They just got it. They got to nail you down so they know you won't go back on your word. But, but, but those who are followers of Christ, they are their word. 
He is his word. And so, so his word is not an it. His word is a him. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Look at number verse number 14. The word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. That one that was begotten in the earth as the only begotten Son of God was the Word made flesh. This wasn't some separate person. This wasn't some secondary figure in a committee of deities. This was the almighty God, the word of God manifest in human flesh. Oh, hallelujah. And I want you to know that the word of God is eternal. This is why the Bible says, and here comes that word again, pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You know, there was a time in Jesus' ministry where people were leaving him left and right. He got to talking about, he was speaking in terms of his body and his blood, and he was explaining the process of communion, that they would need to remember him, and so that they would, they would need to take of the cup, and he explained that that cup will put them in remembrance of his blood. So when you drink that, you're drinking my blood. He didn't mean that you need to drink blood. He was talking about drinking the, the, the drink and that it would remind you, it would bring you back into remembrance of the blood that he was shed for you. And he described the unleavened bread as his body. You know, he, it, was, it was just, if you didn't understand what he was saying, then, you know, people just got kind of spooked by it all. And they started walking away from him, saying he's asking for too much of a commitment. And his disciples are standing there like, okay, the whole world just turned on you. And he looks at them and says, will you go also? And Peter said, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words. Of what? Of eternal life. Hallelujah. That, listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. What will anchor you to God is his words of eternal life. Glory to God. When the crowd turns on him, when, when this society turns on him, when popular culture turns on him, and they've turned on him, ladies and gentlemen. They've turned on him a long time ago. The spirit that nailed him to the cross is alive and well today, and they'll turn on him and don't expect to find a friend of Jesus in this world, in this world system, I mean. Ladies and gentlemen, when all of that crumbles around you, hold on to the words of eternal life. These are the things which are above these are the things which are above set your affection ah lord have mercy your love your mind your what you entertain we talked about that last the first lesson that affection there is referring to what you set your mind to what you are entertaining what it is that you are thinking about what it is you are meditating on what it is you are dwelling on this is why i encourage people i admonish people i implore people to wake up in the morning and get in the word 
and praise God before you do and give him glory and pray unto him and ask him to, to speak to you and minister to you and then get in the word. You need to get a hold of something eternal before you start dealing with all of these dead things in the world. You're going to meet a lot of dead things in this world. You're going to, you're going to run into it all throughout your day. You know, it's going to start with traffic jams. You know, it's, I mean, it's just all, I'm not even going to start there. It's going to, you know, you're going to stub your toe on bedposts and you're going to, you know, there's going to be hangups and hiccups and problems and things that begin to throw your spirit off course. You've got to get a hold of something eternal before you start dealing with dead things so you can set your affection on things above. If you are setting your affection on things of this earth, you will, you will go the way of all the people of this earth and you will... You will die the, the, the miserable death of a sinner. But if you will set your affection on things above, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8 says, the grass withers. How many have seen that happen? The grass withers. The flower fades. We're, we're kind of three-fourths of the way through tulip season. It's a short little season. They come up, they're beautiful, and then they're, the flower fades. But the word of our God shall stand forever. The word of our God shall stand forever. I'm going to tell you that this word is true. You know, they can criticize it all they want to, but when these quote-unquote experts thought the world was flat, this Bible who came before any of those scientific experts who thought the world was flat said the Lord sitteth upon the circle of the earth. That's this word of God. They didn't, need a, they didn't need a Hubble space station to tell them in the book of Job, the oldest book in the Bible, the Lord hangeth the earth upon nothing. They didn't need anybody to tell them that. You know, I, well, yeah, they did. You know who? The creator. The creator of the world whispered it into the mind of Job, and Job spoke as he was moved by the Holy Ghost. This is the word of our God. Oh, hallelujah. You know, one thing I think is really cool is that you have, you have Jesus talking about that day when the Son of Man shall return, and you have, he describes what will happen, and he says there will be two uh, lying in bed, and one shall be taken and one shall be left. And there will be two grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Now that's, if you, and we just quote through that and don't think anything of it. Well, stop for a second and realize what he's saying. He's saying while two are lying in bed, at the exact same moment there are going to be two working in the field, grinding at the mill. So in other words, while it's nighttime in one place, it's going to be daytime in another place. This was before anybody understood that it's nighttime in Cincinnati and it's daytime east of us across the oceans because of the way that the earth is turning. Before anybody understood that, Jesus understood that. Want to know why? Because in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's why and that's how. Glory to God. Because he is the creator of all things. By him all things consist. This word stands forever. They have already some, you know, right now California is considering legislation that has the potential 
of, of putting the Bible in jeopardy as far as even being able to sell it or purchase it. It's, it's, it's happening right now. And, and of course, that's, you, you'd never dream something like that would happen in the United States of America. It's a terrifying prospect to consider. But this is, folks, this is not the first time that this old book has come under fire. It, literally, they've burned it, they've banned it, they've, they've thrown it out, they've illegalized it, they've outlawed it, and here I am, John 1, spread wide open on this holy desk, preaching to you the word of life. It will stand forever. Nothing can dissuade it. Nothing can turn it back. Nothing can stop it. It'll stand forever. Glory to his holy name. And this is where you need to place your affection. Not in Hollywood, not on Netflix, not on Hulu, not on, not on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. No, no, no. Put your affection on this book. Put your affection on the Word of God. Rightly divide the Word of God. Fall in love with the Word of God. Eat the Word of God. Dream the Word of God. Drink the Word of God. Sleep the Word of God. Think about the Word of God. Preach the Word. Teach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. Let it feed you. Receive it more than your necessary meat. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, I want to say this. Th this thing is so satisfying that you can get caught up in it and forget to eat. Now, you'll come back around. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going to injure you. Amen. Glory to God. I, believe me, 12.05 on Sunday afternoon. Everybody's ready. To go grab a little something to eat, even though they're enjoying the presence of the Lord. It, you'll come back around, but, but th this is so satisfying that you'll literally read and study and pray and ponder and receive to such a degree that your natural body will lose its ability to, to demand of you as it normally would. Because Jesus, Jesus was... Uh, speaking and, and the disciples were concerned they wanted to make sure he had plenty to eat and he said I have meat that you know not of I, I, I'm more satisfied than what you realize this lasts forever this is a thing which is above get a hold of the word of God it is a thing which is above the another thing that is above but it's on this earth but it but it's above is the church the church is a thing which is above. The scripture teaches us that we will rule and reign with him as kings and priests. Now, I just want to point out, that's an interesting, interesting concept. Kings and priests had something in common. They were both anointed with oil. There was another office that was anointed with oil. The office of the prophet. The king was anointed with oil. The priest was anointed with oil. The prophet was anointed with oil. But in that city, we will only be kings and priests, not prophets. We don't need prophets in that city. 
We don't need, because the prophet is to be a watchman on the wall. And, and ladies and gentlemen, those walls are, are clear, clear like glass. They're made of jasper, but it's a pure jasper stone. It's a transparent jasper stone. And, and, and there is no invading army. There is no invading enemy. There is no burglary. There is no theft. This is a place where there is no death. There's no need of a, of a prophet to warn of spiritual insurgency. Hallelujah. We will rule and reign with him as kings and as priests. This is why the scripture refers to us as the body of Christ. Because as we just spoke a moment earlier, the body of Christ is alive forevermore. The Bible says, he dying once, dieth no more. He's not going to die anymore. He entered once into the holy place. He is the perpetual sin offering. He has overcome death. He has overcome hell. He has overcome the grave. He will not die anymore. And when I was baptized into his name, I was baptized into his body. Hallelujah. This is why... This is why in our scripture text from the book of, of Colossians, the third chapter, the scripture teaches us as it was telling us to set our affection on things above and not on things on the earth. Notice what it says. It says, we are dead and your life, in verse 3, is hid with Christ in God. I am hid with Christ in God. So, so... You say, well, uh, Joel Urshan, you know, he, Joel Urshan's not perfect. Joel Urshan's not blameless. Joel Urshan's not innocent. You know, none of us are blameless. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when we're baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, when we're placed under the blood of Jesus, whoo, hallelujah. I love the line in the old song that said, he plunged me. Beneath the cleansing flood. It's just another way of saying I am hid with Christ in God. I'm hid with Christ. So when I stand before him in judgment, I'm hid with Christ. The only, the only thing you can see is Jesus. You don't see me. You see Jesus. You don't see me and all my mistakes and all my failures and all my problems and all my shortcomings and all my quirks and all, the, all of my idiosyncrasies, idiosyncrasies. I am hid with Christ in God. Hallelujah. I am in the body of Christ. That's where you are when you're in the church. You're in the body of Christ when you're in the church. And, and, and as a matter of fact, not only are you in the body of Christ, but you're in the bride of Christ. And, and, and this is the great mystery of marriage. The great mystery of marriage is how a man and a woman in marriage become one flesh. They become one flesh and bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And this is, this is evidenced when God creates Woman, he takes woman from the body of man and makes a woman in the book of Genesis chapter 2. He takes the rib of Adam and he forms Eve and brings her unto the man. You want to know why? Because when he saw man, 
by himself alone, he said it is not good that man should be alone. Now that does not mean that a man can't be single. That doesn't mean that, that God is saying, oh no, man can't be single. No, he was saying each thing that he created was a reflection of his nature. And, and, and with each day of creation, he would, he would just kind of verify it and validate it by saying, it is good, it is good, it is good. When he's saying it is good, he is, he is saying it meets the standard of properly demonstrating God. But when he looked at man alone, he said, this is not good. This does not, this alone does not properly demonstrate God. In order to properly demonstrate God, there must be a woman created and brought unto the man because this is the proper demonstration of the nature of God because Paul taught us in the book of Ephesians, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And wives submit yourselves therefore unto the husbands as unto the Lord. And, and, and in, uh, when you begin to balk at that idea of submitting yourselves unto the husband as unto the Lord, remember that it, it follows this admonition to the man, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gentlemen, when a husband loves his wife as Christ loved the church, there is a natural submission that begins to take place in her. She is designed to to submit you are designed to love and and you can't find that in the world you can't find that in the world and and this is why marriages are messed up because they're not properly demonstrating the love that Christ has for his church and everybody's demanding their due and everybody's wanting it their way and everybody's wanting to get what they have coming to them when somebody needs to just stop and let the Lord sanctify them and cover them with the blood of Jesus and fill them with the Holy Ghost again. Wash them in the blood of the Lamb again. You know, let me just stop here and say this. That, that in the book of Genesis, in the garden, pre-fall, pre-sin, there was one man and one woman in holy matrimony. That is where it took place, in the garden. After the garden is where marriages began to come under attack. Sin began to crop up inside the marriage. And so if you want somebody faithful to you, somebody that is going to be honorable to you, love you, respect you, look for them in the garden. Don't go looking outside the garden for somebody to be faithful to you. They don't know how to be faithful. They don't know how to be faithful. They're outside the garden. And listen, when I say in the garden, I don't mean necessarily just being in the, in the building on a pew. There's a lot of folks in the church that aren't in the garden. There's a lot of folks who are, are in, the, in the body, but they're not in the garden. See, in the garden, he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. 
I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own you want to find somebody in the garden then you need to find somebody that comes to the garden alone you need to find somebody that has a prayer closet you need to find somebody that walks with him talks with him has relationship with him And if you're, listen, if you're looking for them in the club instead of the garden, then you're going to get somebody with morals of the club and not morals of the garden. If you're looking for somebody to be faithful to you, look for somebody that's faithful to God. Because that marriage, all it is, is a reflection of God. Christ in the church. Oh, hallelujah. The church is a thing which is above. It'll be here forever. It'll be here forever. That's why not only did the Bible come under fire all these years, the church has come under fire. The church, the church will last forever and ever and ever and ever. We're the bride of Christ. They can't martyr us out of existence. They can't murder us out of existence. They can't outlaw us. We'll go underground and have more revival than we would in a, in a beautiful sanctuary. I'm going to say that again. Some of the greatest revivals happened under the radar. That's why when these regimes fall and communism falls, and all of a sudden, out from the shadows comes the bride of Christ. She was there the whole time. Because she's going to stand forever. She's going to live forever. You better be careful. Don't criticize the church. That's his bride. You want, to, you want to incur the anger of God, you criticize his bride. You want to incur the wrath of God, you start taking shots at his bride. Start trying to injure his bride. He'll come out like a jealous lion for his bride. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. So, so invest yourself in the church. Love God and love the church and bless the bride of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Not only is the word of God a thing which is above, and the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, a thing which is above, but, but prayer is a thing which is above. Prayers last forever. They never die. They never die. And, and so from the book of Revelation, chapter 5, my Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. You know what you ought to do? You ought to do, you ought to do every day, you ought to do eternal things. It's not just a matter of, oh, I'm going to do, do my morning devotion. I better go do. No, no, no. No, think of it in this light. Do eternal things. That's how you defeat death in your life, by doing eternal things. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. I mean, he is looking into the eternities. And, and the golden vials pour out. And the prayers of the saints ascend out of these harps and golden vials 
full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. My God, have mercy. The prayers of the people of God are ascending continually into the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. I wonder what kind of prayers you would pray if you thought about the fact that they will continually ascend into eternity. You know, they, they do tell us that every word we speak is still out there somewhere. That it's still bouncing around in, in, in frequencies all throughout space. They're just, they're just the words, the vibration of those words never do die. That is amazing. And the prayers of the saints, they never die. Keep praying prayers. I want you to know that the prayers you pray right now for your children, if you were to pass on tomorrow, those prayers are going to continually ascend into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Continually ascend. The prayers of the saints, the prayers of the saints poured out the golden vials, hallelujah, full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. They're, they're odors. They're odors. And the Bible describes that there are some things that are a stench in the nostril of God, and there are some things that are a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. What, what, what characterizes your prayer? If, 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 if you have pride in your heart, then it sends up a stench into the nostrils of God. But if there's humility, and if there's faith, and if there's sincerity, hallelujah, glory to God. If there's boldness, if there's confidence in the Lord, and you're boldly approaching the throne of grace, it is a sweet-smelling savor. If there's praise, it's a sweet-smelling savor. Hallelujah. You know, you know, Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. I, I just, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Blessed be your name, oh God. Prayer never dies. The word never dies. The church never dies. Your soul never dies. Invest in your soul. You know what never dies? Worship never dies. Worship never dies. Notice, what, notice what, what goes on as we continue to read Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. You're worthy. The Lamb is worthy. That's why we say worthy is the Lamb. You know why he's worthy? For thou wast slain. And has redeemed us to God by thy blood. Out of every kindred. Out of every tongue. Out of every people. And out of every nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand. And thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. 
and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders, listen, fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever. And, oh, my Lord, did you hear that? He, he, he could have stopped right there and said, him that liveth forever. But that just didn't seem to catch the eternality, the everlasting language that he was looking for. Worship him that liveth forever and ever. My God, have mercy. It is ongoing worship, 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 never die. Hallelujah. That's why if it gets unpopular down here, who cares? Keep on worshiping him. Worship him. There's something eternal. There's something powerful. There's something anointed about worship. I, I, you know, I, you've heard me say this before that I uh, was and, and am to a large extent stage fright. And so that kind of makes it hard as a preacher to be stage fright. How's that going to work? And so I could not do it. Y'all just have to understand I could not do it. I knew I was called to preach. I, 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 ne I never remember a time in my life that I didn't know I was going to be a preacher. As the, the earliest consciousness I had, I knew I'd be a preacher. And, and so it was in me, and yet there was this big problem. I was terrified to speak in front of anybody. So... That's not going to work, but it's going to have to work because that's what I'm called to do. So you talk about conflicted. And I was praying and, oh, God, and man, God would give me stuff. He'd give me a message. And, and I'd go with my dad to preach. And my dad would preach to the adults in the congregation. And, and he'd get up and, and, and it, they'd work it out with the pastor ahead of time that I would then take the children to preach to the children uh, or young people in a chapel or uh, some other sanctuary, worship center, Sunday school class in the church. And so they'd build it up. Oh, we're going to have a 10-year-old preacher. We're going to have an 11-year-old preacher preach to the young people. And y'all get ready. Y'all be here, and it's going to be great. And I was terrible. As far as preaching, I just couldn't do it. And so my dad would get up, and he would, he would uh, the pastor, before he would introduce dad, would dismiss the young people and the children. And we'd all stand up and we'd go marching out of the church. And, and we'd go into our little setting. And meanwhile, the pastor was introducing my father to come preach. And my father would come take his uh, Bible, sit down the podium and begin to take his text and give his title. And about that time here, we all came marching back into the sanctuary. Because I was done. We had our service. We, I'm all, <laughs> you got a double header tonight, kids. I'm sorry. Amen. Amen. I had like five pages of notes. I mean, filled up. Good stuff. And I sped through that so fast. Sound like an auctioneer up there trying to go through the fine print maybe on something. I mean, it was, I was terrified to, to preach in front of people. And I, rem I remember when it broke. I remember when the anointing of God began to flow and that, that stage fright 
would, would, would melt away. It would, just, it would just fall away. And, and I remember the day it happened. It was March of 2000, no, March of 19, it was last month. That's when it was, it was last month. <laughs> it was March of 1994. And uh, I was 14, getting ready to turn 15 in June. And I stood up in Huntington, West Virginia, at Brother Edwin Harper's church. And here I was, standing there in this pulpit, and, and all these young people are gathered together, and they're looking at me, and I'm looking at them like, here we go again. And I had preached several places, and, and wasn't any better than it was when I was 10. And, and I, I opened up my Bible, and I began to read the Word of the Lord. And as I began to preach, something, something came on me. And I was very familiar with it. It was the anointing of the Lord. But here's how I was familiar with it as a child. I would always respond to it by worship. Always. Whenever that, that spirit would come upon me, I would worship. I would dance. I would shout. I would sing. I would rejoice. And, and that's how I would respond to that spirit that would come upon me. And so while I'm standing there in the pulpit and that spirit comes upon me, I'm, 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 I'm not, before I wasn't sure what to do. Should I, I don't know how to preach and entertain that spirit. But, but I realized something. I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to do anything different than what I do any other time that I feel this spirit. I'm just going to worship. And so I just started worshiping. I started preaching that he's holy, that he's wonderful. Mighty is his name. And so I began to worship him to them. Hallelujah. And, and that's, that's how I broke through. And, and, and ever since that day, that's what I do when I preach. I don't really preach. I just praise. I don't really, I don't really declare. I just worship. He's holy. He's wonderful. That's probably why I get loud sometimes and, and, and yell too much because, because I'm just worshiping him because he is worthy. He is holy. He is righteous. He is mighty. There's none like him. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. He's greater than great. He's more wonderful than wonderful. He's wonderful to me. He's wonderful to me. And I will worship him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And when I cross over from this life on earth into real life, I'm going to cross over worship. I don't know what's going to take me should the Lord tarry and I, I go by way of the grave. I don't know. I don't know what position I'll be in. I don't know what physical capacity I'll be in. I don't know if I'll be incapacitated. I don't know. I don't know if I'll be unconscious. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that as soon as this body gives up the ghost, I'm going to throw up my hands and magnify my God with no limitation whatsoever. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. You know why? Because I made up my mind I'm going to set my affection on things above. No, no, no. You, you, you can take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Hallelujah. With this world behind me and the cross before me, 
I have decided to follow Jesus. Woo! I have decided to follow Jesus. Are you, are you contributing to the church, building up the kingdom, loving God, serving God, blessing the kingdom of God? Keep doing it. It's an eternal thing you're doing. It's an eternal thing you're doing. Are you studying the word, praying the word, hearing the word, receiving the word, listening to the word? Keep doing it. It's an eternal thing that you are doing. Hallelujah. Preaching the word, keep doing it. It's an eternal thing you're doing. Are you worshiping God? Hallelujah. Do do you get lost in worship? Do you get lost in worship? Keep doing it. It's an eternal thing. Are you praying prayers? Hallelujah. Are you praying for people? Keep doing it. It's an eternal thing that you are doing. It's a way that you can set your affection on things above. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, precious God. Thank you, precious God. Thank you, precious God. Thank you, precious God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. 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 My heart breaks for people who have focused all their life on their physical body. My God, have mercy. I just heard, I just heard that, that uh, LeBron James uh, spends $1.5 million a year on his body to keep it in the shape that it needs to be in in order to be the greatest basketball player in the world. My heart breaks over that because that body will break down no matter how much money you spend on it. And you might excel above other men, but, but you can't beat You cannot beat in this life. You cannot beat the things of this earth. You must set your affection on things above. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Could we stand to our feet right now and just lift up our voices unto God? Come on, let's set our affection on some things above right now. Let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on. Let's praise him right now. Let's praise him right now. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. name. I want some husbands right now to say, God, help me to be the kind of a husband that sets his affection on things above. I need some wives right now to say, God, let me be a wife that sets her affection on things above, not on things on the earth. I need some, I need some grandparents right now and some parents to say, Lord, help me to be the kind of a parent or grandparent that sets my affection on things above. People in your world need you to be the individual that sets your affection on things above. You need to be that one who prays. You need to be that one they know worships. You need to be that one they know they can count on. You're in the Word. You're learning the Word. You're loving the Word. You're living the Word. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When the music fades. 
And all is stripped away And I simply come Glory Longing just to Just Something that's above